chapter 10. been spending our time over the last few weeks looking at the I am statements of Jesus. And so in John chapter 10, we see Jesus as the good shepherd. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, who you sent into this world to lay down his life for the sheep. We thank you for your love, Lord Jesus, and we pray that your Spirit would move in this room this morning Convince us and convict us of your love. And may each person here walk out of this room today rejoicing in the love that the shepherd has for his sheep. Draw our hearts close to you. Let us not be numb to your voice. You tell us here that the sheep hear the voice of their shepherd and follow him. May that be the case with each person here. Move powerfully. We ask it in the strong name of our Savior and Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the great metaphors of God in relationship to his people is that of a shepherd with his sheep. The Old Testament and the New Testament, they both have a lot to say 
about this, and the illustration is so good because it tells us about how needy we are, how needy we are and how ready God is to care for his flock. He delights in his flock. Sheep never get to a place where they no longer need a shepherd. They always do. They don't outgrow him. They're always dependent on him. Children are not the same way. Children grow up. They start, they start their own families. They only need their parents for a short period of time, and then they're supposed to mature and grow out of that. But sheep, from the beginning of life until the end of life, are always dependent on their shepherd to take care of them. They are not independent creatures. They need protection. They need to be led to food. They need oversight. No matter how young or how old they are, they will always need that oversight. And what we're told here is that Jesus delights to be the shepherd of his flock. He loves them. He genuinely loves his sheep. He always, always does what is best for them. And I have to assume this morning as we come into this room, there are two kinds of people who are here. There are those who are already sheep, and then there are those who are not. And no matter which category you're in right now, what I want you to do as a hearer of God's Word this morning is to be receptive to what this text tells you about the shepherd. I hope your ears and I hope your hearts are open. And if you are a sheep and you have genuine assurance of that, my hope is that your heart is stirred to greater love for your shepherd, greater trust in him as he leads you into various paths and pastures. And I have to imagine that in this room there are many paths and many pastures that his sheep are currently in. Some of you are currently in soft, comfortable grass. Praise God. And some of you are not. But I hope that you are listening to your shepherd's voice and you know that he loves you and everything that he does for you is out of his love. But if you don't have true assurance this morning that you are one of Jesus' sheep, what I hope for you is that you will see what kind of shepherd he is for those who belong to him, and your heart will be stirred to love him for what you see. That maybe this morning, as you hear his voice in this text, that you will become one of his sheep and delight in him. That's my hope. And the place where I want both kinds of people to look is at the love that Jesus has for his own. I want you to see his love. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. You see, Jesus is a peculiar kind of farmer. We're being told here that he is an animal farmer. But he's not the kind of farmer that we're accustomed to in American agriculture. Farmers take care of their animals ultimately for what they can get from them. Now, I watch various farming shows. I see people who care for their animals, and I know that farmers genuinely do care for their animals. They have a special attachment to them. But in the end, a farmer is looking to get something from that animal. Meat, 
milk, maybe what they can sell from the animal to get money, wool. That's why the farmer has them. They are a means to an end, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's good. The animals serve the humans with what they can offer. But this is not the relationship that Jesus has with his sheep. He is not in the sheep business for what he can get from them. He's in it for what he can give to the sheep. And it is a transaction of his love. That's what he has come to give to us. Love that provides life, eternal life, the joy of the Father, the peace and security that comes with being with the Father and the Son in communion with them. He has come to give to his sheep. In fact, the way that Jesus comes to own the sheep, the way they come to belong to him, is through the ultimate payment of love that he has offered for those sheep. The only way that Jesus would have a flock of his own, a people to share his joy, his freedom, his relationship with the Father, the peace of heaven, purity of sin, the only way that any of that was going to happen was for him to come and die for his sheep, to lay down his life for them, to bleed purifying blood that would wash those sinners, those sheep, and make them holy to the Lord. That is how he came to own those sheep. That is how he bought them. The marketplace where Jesus bought his sheep was the cross, and he paid for those sheep in his blood out of his love. And so the relationship that Jesus has with his sheep began with a supreme demonstration of love. And Jesus' sheep need to know that they are loved. You need to know that you are loved by your shepherd. Often we're searching with love, searching for love with our feelings. There's nothing wrong with feelings. God gave them to us. They serve us. They're a good thing. But we do get ourselves in trouble from time to time when we are led by our feelings rather than by the truth. Our feelings need to be led by what is true, not just simply by what they feel. And Jesus tells us here that he has proven to us that he loves us. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He has proven to us that he loves us. Why would he lay down his life for us? Unless he loved us deeply. We sang that song a little while ago, Reckless Love, and I don't know, how many of y'all have never heard that song before? There, there are a few of you, and I guess I just want to give a, a brief comment on that because that can be a little bit confusing, can it? We sing a song saying God has reckless love, like he's out there just shooting from the hip, doesn't know what he's doing, he's a little bit wild, a gunslinger. Well, that's not, that's not where the meaning of that song comes from. It comes from the word prodigal. So in the prodigal son, that story, that prodigal son runs off recklessly, in a sense, and his foolishness has no limits. 
And in the same way, what we're being told by saying God's love is reckless or it is prodigal is that God's love has no limits. And to a person who sees all that he has done for us, it would look reckless in a sense. Like what kind of man goes and dies for his enemies? Nobody does that sort of thing except Jesus. He has a strange kind of love to an onlooker. At least it should look strange to us. What kind of love is this? What kind of God is this? Why would he pursue us like that? It certainly isn't because I have such great value in and of myself. I am his enemy of his, and yet he chases after me. That's what that song says. There's no mountain you won't climb up. Something and something else. I don't remember. But there's no limits to what God's love will chase us through to pursue us and claim us as his own. And he has proven that. That's what we're getting at here, the kind of love that Jesus has for his sheep. And it originates in this love, we're told there in those verses, that the Son shared with the Father always. Just as the Father knows the Son, the Son knows the Father. So the Son loves the sheep and knows them. That's what he's telling us there. Do we doubt that the Father and the Son have supreme love for one another and always have? That's the kind of love that Jesus is telling us that he has as the shepherd of his sheep. It has no limits. It is perfectly pure in everything. What he's telling us is that we have been plunged as his sheep into the truest, most ancient, most magnificent love that all other loves out there are just an echo of or are hoping to be. The love that a husband has for his wife. The love that a mom has for a newborn baby. The love of a lifelong friendship. They all have traces of this love in them, but they are not the pure form. And we, as the sheep of Jesus, have been brought into contact with that, into the fountain of God's love that existed before the world was made. It is supposed to blow us away that the love that the Father has for the Son has been given by the Son to us. That's what Jesus is saying. And so much so that he was willing to go and lay down his life for the sheep. And yet so often, what do we do? We doubt that he loves us. He's saying, there's no reason for us to except that we are led astray by something else rather than the truth. We're led astray by looking at our circumstances out there. They don't speak to me of God's love for me because somehow I believe that if the only way that he loves me is if everything is going perfectly for me. Or I'm just led astray by my own feelings or the own voice inside my head. But this text is telling us that Jesus has laid down his life for the sheep and we need to be led in our hearts by that truth. We need to hear his voice. He's saying, I died for you. Do not doubt my love for my sheep. 
So Jesus proved that, made it happen at the cross where he bought sheep for himself to be a shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. We're being told that Jesus secured men, women, and children for himself that day at Calvary. And that included some who were living at that time. They heard his voice. They followed him. This also includes those who were yet unborn. You, me, those who live today and believe today and are sheep of Jesus Christ. He bought you on that hill long ago. And that's his love. Love that could not die was given to you by the God-man who could die. And he did that so that you could share in the love that he had with the Father always and share in the life that he gives through that love. And so there will never be a day when Jesus is not in some sense a sheep farmer and it all began when he secured those sheep in love with his blood 2,000 years ago. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, truly, it's because you are one of his sheep and he spilled his blood for you. Bought you that day. That's love. And then we're also to believe and see that everything that comes into the life of those sheep comes through the love of our shepherd. So it didn't just start with love and that's all he had to offer. Spent it all that day up there on that hill. He loved me back then on that day, but today I'm not real sure. No, we're supposed to understand that everything that still comes into my life today flows to me from the love of that good Shepherd. As you can tell, I'm taking this opportunity to emphasize the love of Jesus. Why? Why is his love so important? First, because it's true. But also because his love is so powerful. And love is powerful, is it not? It is supremely attractive. It draws things to it. It pulls like moths to a flame. You and I have been designed to need love and to go toward love. And lots of problems happen when a person does not experience love, does it not? I'm sure you've either seen it or you have experienced it yourself. People break without love. When a child is unloved, a trail of destruction ensues behind that. Love gives proper shape to development. And the ability to give good, formative love to other people. On Sunday nights, we spend time in the Proverbs. We're in Proverbs 29 tonight, but here soon we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 30. And listen to what it says there. It says, under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. 
And one of these things that it says the earth trembles at or cannot bear up is an unloved woman when she gets a husband. Why does it say that? What is he talking about? He's talking about a woman who has been formed wrongly by a lack of love, and now her new husband is about to feel the weight of her scars. She's been unloved. She hasn't experienced love. It has broken something or hurt something, wounded something on the inside of this woman, and now this man that she is marrying, he's about to get it. Love is a human need. And Jesus' sheep, we need to know how much we are loved by our shepherd. It is so necessary. This is foundational for properly formed sheep. And if you don't feel loved, the place where you need to look is not simply in your own feelings, but back to the cross the place where Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. That's where your eyes, the eyes of your heart, need to be today to hear, I am deeply loved by my shepherd. He tells me so, and I believe it. He also tells us in multiple places here in this passage that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. This is a guarantee this is what happens in real time, in real life. His sheep hear him. They know his voice. And so Jesus bought sheep at the cross. He bought them that day, purchased them. He went up there and had a transaction in his blood that secured sheep for himself always. But then on a day of God's choosing, the Holy Spirit opens up the ears of those sheep to hear their Savior's call, and they respond to his voice. It will happen. He bought them at the cross. They will hear his voice and believe. Jesus did not go to the cross for the possibility of sheep. He went to the cross and bought those sheep. In the previous chapter, there was a man who was born blind. And so if you go back and read John chapter 9, you'll see that there was a man there. The whole chapter was about him. He was born blind. Couldn't see a thing from the time that he was born. And this man serves as an illustration of Jesus as the light of the world. We talked about that last week. Light shining into darkness. This man was in darkness, light shone into his heart, and now he could see, both physically and spiritually, both. But he also serves as an illustration of what we see here in chapter 10, that Jesus is a good shepherd and his sheep will hear his voice. This man was a sheep. Now, he was born blind. He had all kinds of problems in life. But on the day when Jesus spoke, and there were other people who were around that day that would have heard Jesus and did not believe what he said, but Jesus spoke, and that man's heart opened up, and he heard the voice of his shepherd, and he believed. Now, all the Jewish leaders who were around him, they hated him for it. They cast him out of the temple. But this man had to follow his Savior. He was compelled to. 
There was no chance that he would not because he heard his voice. And it didn't matter if he was cast out of the temple. He had eternal life in the Son of God on that very day when the Spirit of God opened up his heart. So Jesus, we are, showing, we are being shown there. That is what happens to real sheep in real time. And if you have become a sheep of Jesus somewhere along the way, we've talked about this a bit over the last couple of weeks, there would have been a time in your life when you began to hear the voice of your Savior. And you heard him differently. Maybe you grew up in church and you were around the things of God always, or at least the Word of God was there, but you heard it, it was dull, it was dry, it was dusty, and it was cold, and it seemed like there was nothing there for you. It was just a book that maybe your parents used to kind of beat on you with. But then there was a day. Some place, some way, word of God was opened. Somebody talked to you about Jesus, and all of a sudden it was just different. It's because this is what was happening. It's because Jesus bought you at the cross so long ago. He knew your name back then. He secured you with his blood. It was certain you were his. And there would be a day when the Spirit of God would come and make that effective in your heart. And that's the day it happened. You start having questions. You're interested. You're curious. Maybe you even tried to shake it off. Like, oh, no, God. Ah! But somewhere along the way, Jesus became very sweet. His call was wonderful. His word was great. You wanted to be around the things of God. You started to have a love for the people of God. It's all because he spoke into your heart and brought light into darkness. You were a sheep that heard the voice of your shepherd and he led you out. He led you out of the world and into his eternal kingdom. He is the good shepherd for his sheep. If you're here today and your ears are tuned to the shepherd's voice, and I hope that is all of you, you need to hear one more time at least that all that he speaks to you is love. Goodness, love. He has no words of condemnation for you. He is not the one that reminds you of your guilt. He does not drag you back into who you used to be. He speaks nothing of rejection. He speaks nothing in callousness or coldness to you. His voice is characterized by love. From the time that he first called you to be his own, called you into his flock, until the time that he calls you out of the world into eternity, everything that he speaks to you is love. And sheep will be tempted to doubt their shepherd's love, will we not? Maybe that's in a place where you're at right now. But the problem is never with the shepherd. The problem is always in our hearts. We say things like, you know, if he really loved me, this would not be happening to me. You ever said that before? As a pastor, I've heard it a couple of times. 
But what may have happened over time is that those sheep have detached themselves from the voice of their Savior, and they've begun to listen to other voices out there. And now their hearts have messed up feelings and beliefs about the shepherd. But those sheep who stay close to him, those sheep who continue to feed on his words, they will know when their circumstances get dark that their shepherd is still leading them in his love. It might not look like it, but it's the truth. There are seasons where we find ourselves in abundant pasture, and I hope many of you all are there right now. That all is well, everything is bright, the shepherd loves us, and all of our circumstances are testifying to the fact that he loves us. We are blessed by him. But there are other times, and I have to imagine that some of you all are here today, when the field is sparse, there's not a lot to eat, not a lot of blessing to speak of, the weather is cold, all is not well. And so our outward circumstances are not testifying openly to us of his love. But we need to be reminded right here that the shepherd still loves us. His ways may be hard to understand, but he knows the path that you and I need to walk on. And so the question for us is not, does he love me? He has proven that with his blood. He does not abandon his sheep. The question is, am I still listening to his voice? Because it's easy to listen when everything is good, the grass is green, and it's soft to lie down in, but it gets hard to listen when things are not as we would have them to be. And the temptation for his sheep is when darkness comes that we will run to strange voices from somebody who isn't our shepherd. And if that's you today, will you look here at the words of Jesus and recognize his voice? Yes, it is dark where you are, but he promises that he will lead you through with his love. He is the same good shepherd that we read about in Psalm 23 where it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the rod and the staff only comfort us because of who wields it. It is our good shepherd. We need to see that Jesus is there. You might not be able to see him, but you can hear him if you are his sheep because his sheep hear his voice and they will follow him. Some of you have come here today without a shepherd. Your life has been characterized by bouncing from one voice to the next. Most of the time, it's probably been your own voice. We always seem to think that we know best. But my aim today has been to present you with the love of the Good Shepherd. He made you, and He came into the world to purchase wayward sheep. And you know that you have been wayward.
So I ask, will you hear his voice and begin following him? Will you stop doing things your own way? Stop listening to strangers who don't really have your best intentions in mind, those who would do you harm. Hear the good shepherd and begin following him. He will always do what is best for you. And if that's you, and you know that's you, and you hear the voice of the shepherd this morning, and you desire to follow him, I would just ask that right there where you sit, that you not do anything outward to demonstrate what is going on, that you would just thank Jesus for his cleansing blood that he purchased sheep like you. Ask that he give you mercy to hold on to him and begin a journey with Jesus that you would commit to doing that. And if that is you, at some point, would you tell somebody here in the church what's going on with your life, about the commitment that you've made to follow Jesus? I would love to hear that. God's people love to hear that the shepherd is still calling people into his flock. It delights our soul. It delights heaven that tells us that there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Well, there better be rejoicing in the church of the living God. We want to know that Jesus still speaks into the world, light into darkness, and that he still has sheep out there. We want to be a help to that somewhere along the way to help make disciples. Would you please let me or somebody else here know what is going on in your life and that you think you are now hearing the voice of your shepherd? Others of you who are here this morning have heard your Savior's voice and you have begun following him. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been 50. I simply ask that you hear his voice in this passage and ask Jesus to make his love clear to you again. Ask him to give you ears to hear it and to love it and that you'll rest in it. Your status with God does not depend on how well you love him. It depends on how well he has loved you and he has loved you well. His love is unfailing. But sometimes we forget that. And sometimes a child just needs to be reminded that she's loved. And when that truth does hit home to her heart, it covers a multitude of sins and it heals a multitude of wounds. And maybe that's where you are right now and you just need to hear about Jesus' love again so that those wounds or those doubts will be healed. And so if you leave here today resting in the love of your Savior, His voice has broken through to His sheep. And those who belong to Him you will continually be reminded that Jesus is who he says he is in this passage. He is a good shepherd for his sheep. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that your word would cut through the junk or the darkness or the doubts, the frustrations, the disappointments, the aggravating circumstances, the devastation, the tragedies of life. 
He would cut through all of that to give us eyes to see the love of our shepherd. And that that love truly would cover a multitude of sins and wounds. If eyes see him, we know that a miracle has happened in our midst. And that's exactly what we ask for, God. We know that Jesus purchased sheep, names, people, eternities there at the cross. And we ask that, Lord, even in our midst today, that the Holy Spirit would open up eyes and ears to hear of that love and delight in him. Christianity is about Christ. And we pray, Lord, that people would see Christ as he is powerfully, life-changingly, eternity-changing life, that it would break through into souls who see him as their good shepherd. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.